Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is going to be kind of a fun thing that I'm going to try out. I've done a bunch of episodes with Chris Rowe of Row Hunting Resources here on the podcast. And there's so much good uh, information out there that Chris provides. I thought I would do, going into elk season here, 2018, I thought I would kind of do the elk Chris Rowe greatest hits and I'm going to go back, you know, three plus years ago and pull out some uh, great conversations that Chris and I had here on the podcast, rather than making you guys go and search for those uh, older uh, archived episodes, I thought I would just bring out the best uh, in those episodes. So I hope you really enjoy this. I'm going to do a couple of these. I know you get a lot of value out of uh, Chris Rowe and and uh, what he brings to the table. I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast for making this possible and remind you guys that the Go Hunt Insider is doing a free 30-day trial. All you have to do is go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott. It's free. Go try it out for 30 days. Uh, there's no skin off your back, and uh, you can uh, just go check it out for free. I also want to thank Kuyu.com. Uh, Jason Harrison and his crew just got word that Jason uh, harvested an awesome ram uh, up in the Yukon, and uh, that's exciting. Can't wait to hear more about it. I uh, also want to thank uh, the Outdoorsman's. Uh, use the J. Scott promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all Outdoorsman's products. And Canyon Coolers, if you use the J. Scott promo code, if you go to canyoncoolers.com, use the J. Scott promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Also, guys, don't forget about Dar Colburn and Jay Pyburn at the Colburn Pyburn team selling real estate in Arizona. Uh, you can get a $500 gift certificate for using their real estate services. Uh, go to colburnpyburnteam at gmail.com and uh, you can find out more about that. Let's get right to these episodes with Chris Rowe of Row Hunting Resources. Guys, thanks for all your support of the podcast. Thank you for all of the support of my Instagram. If you don't follow on Instagram, you can at jscottoutdoors. You can also send me an email, jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. I appreciate each and every message that I get from, from every one of you. Uh, I'm going to be up in Alaska for about 10 days, uh, getting a second chance here. I was at the Northwest Territories. Now I'm headed to the, to Alaska. Hopefully I'll be able to find a big uh, doll sheep to harvest. And uh, so we'll be chatting at you when I get back. Thanks for all your support, guys. Interesting. Well, let's um let's play this clip um and we're going to kind of set I'm going to let you set this clip up uh before you play it so everybody can hear it live and then you and I will come back and talk about it um and kind of go through it and play it as well. Okay. So you want me to set it up now? Please. All right. Uh part of what I do 
Um, this is kind of what I talk about in, in the elk module, raw hunting resources, the elk institute is, you know, I, I monitor and kind of study vocalizations, communication behavior year round. And so part of what I do is in the summer going up and, and keeping tabs on a number of different cow calf groups and try to get in there and get good video footage of their interactions. Well, one of the places that I go is Rocky Mountain National Park. We every year we try to pull up or when I when I'm going in there to film, I'll pull a permit and um, go in there and spend some time and see if I can't figure out where cow calf groups are and figure out if I can get in there and, and get some good vocalizations and communication. One thing that and it doesn't matter if you're talking Rocky Mountain National Park, if you're talking Banff, if you're talking Yellowstone. A lot of these places, elk are very habitual, or elk are one of the animals that are easily habituated to human presence. And so you can find them in and around humans, especially if humans keep the predators away. Well, Rocky Mountain National Park is definitely one of those places where you can find some really good cow-calf groups and really good elk groups down in and around people. Now, while the good part about that is you can find them easy, kind of the bad part is, is you end up, if you can find them and you're next to a road, well, so does 8,300 other people. You know, every, everybody just piles in, all right? And so the other flip side of that, the good part about it is, when you have human disturbance, whether it's roads, whether it's hikers, whether it's photographers or whatever, when you have a lot of human disturbance and you have a lot of noise, like road noise or whatever, it creates a higher level of disturbance that the elk have to deal with, which means, and I talk about this see you first, hear you second, smell you third principle, they cannot keep visual contact with one another as easily, and more importantly, they can't hear one another as easily when they're in and around the roads and stuff. So oftentimes, by default, we end up with awesome behavior, body language you know, cues, or awesome vocalizations. They're talking more and louder than they normally are because they have to deal with everything else that's going around. So sometimes the best places to, to video and record vocalizations and behavior are right next to the roads. Well, unfortunately, anytime you're going to be stopped looking at elk with a big tripod and a big professional-looking camera with a big honking shotgun microphone, everybody drives by and they're like, what is that guy watching? And so everybody just piles in around you and, and wants to know what you're doing. So this particular clip, all right, you're going to hear some road noise. You're going to hear some people noise, People, you know, the cameras you know, shutters falling with a camera. Um, you're going to hear vehicles going by. But just try to tune that out and just listen to what the elk are doing. And then this, the other half of this setup is, and this is, and we'll touch on this here in a minute. The cool thing about this is, is I, and you'll, if anybody that's a subscriber, you'll be able to see this video. I'm going to be putting this video on the website here pretty quick. You get to see the entire action what basically these cows come out of the timber they come into this open little strip along this roadway they're working their way parallel to a road and they're headed to a huge open meadow so they're they come out of the timber they're 
walking a little ways, transitioning, and then they're going to go out in this big opening. Well, while they're transitioning, there's probably, and you don't see them in this, this clip, but there's probably 30-plus animals, all cows and calves, just strung out over probably two to 300-yard stretch. So you've got cows separated from their calves, calves separated from their mothers, cows separated from other cows, and quite honestly, there are actually, in this particular clip, some of the elk have made it across the road and are walking parallel to the road on the other side. Well, that means the other animals can't see one another. It was an absolute prime and ready-made situation for vocalizations and a lot of uh, behavioral displays. So that's why I just, I hit the, when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I'm staying. I set the camera up, hit record. But the beautiful thing about this whole thing is you get to watch everything unfold and you get the context, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. So that's what's going on. These elk have come out of the timber, are feeding and walking their way parallel to this road on their way to a larger meadow where they're going to feed all night. Okay, that sets it up perfect. So I'm going to play this audio here for the listeners, uh, and then we'll let it play without stopping it, and then we'll come back on the back end and play it and kind of discuss it. So Sounds good. Um, let's hear from our sponsors first before I play the audio and then we'll go right into the audio and then Chris and I are going to come back and give some commentary.
All right, Chris, that was an unbelievable clip. Uh, let's go ahead and play some of the clip and, and uh, let you stop it where you want, and then we'll add commentary as to what's going on in the clip. All right. Perfect. All right, I'm going to stop it right there, Matt. <laughs> That's an estrus call, um, Chris. Exactly. That is exactly why I wanted it. I mean, yeah, two vocalizations right there that I just, I love. One, people, all the time you'll hear people talk about whether it's estrus mew, estrus scream, estrus whine, estrus whatever. A lot of them will be, it has to, that, yeah, that real raspy, gravelly, yeah, mew. Well, sorry, folks. I've got so much video footage of that. This is July. She's not an asterisk. I'll tell you that right now. So, and, you know, again, I don't, if you want to call it an asterisk mu or whatever, that's fine. Go for it. You can. I'm not going to criticize that. The only reason why I make a distinction is because there are people that feel that that's the only reason why they can use that vocalization in their calling is because, well, it, it signifies a cow in asterisk. So, if I'm after bulls, if I'm calling to a bull during the rut, well, okay, I can use it. But if I'm a cow hunter, cow elk hunter, well, I, then it, it's not going to work for me because, you know, cows don't care about other cows and esters. Or if I'm late season elk hunting and I'm trying to call, and I'm it, again, if I'm calling cows during a late season, well, you know, they're not in... in Estrus, so this isn't this isn't going to work. Uh, no, it has nothing to do with estrus. It absolutely is a, a legit vocalization. Use it. You know, again, I, I we I, we talk about it in, uh, at length in the the elk module, but I mean, you're dealing with an an elk that is seeking somebody desperately, so it absolutely has relevancy in your calling scenarios, whether it's the, I mean, whether you, Jay, you're talking about starting your Utah elk hunt early in, in August or whether I'm late rifle end of, you know, November somewhere, dude, that vocalization works. I mean, it does, it flat works. It's not one that I, you know, just jump right into. It's more of an aggressive vocalization and more, you know, I'll add those in if I'm getting a little bit more aggressive with my cow calling, but there you go. I mean, okay. So let me let me see if I hear you correctly. You are saying that that is the sound that many have coined the term estrus call, estrus mew, estrus scream, whatever. Yes. You're saying that that is the sound, but what you're saying is this is July, and so that is actually a sound that they use all the time yes so my question is is it an excited call is it a demanding call is it a you know w or an ex what would you okay it, both perfect yeah no it, it, that you just nailed it i mean that you know i talk about it as an extension of a loss mute if you take it if you take that intensity level up and and people talk about it okay this is this is one of those situations people talk all the time oh add emotion to your calling okay I will always say you're not going to be as effective with your calling if you're just throwing emotion without knowing what you're adding emotion to. But in this case, yeah, 
This is the penultimate expression of a cow seeking someone. All right. I mean, it, that there it is. And th again, this is why I put so much emphasis on video, because you get to watch the body language. You get to see what her what what her head position, her ear position. You can see what she's doing through this entire clip. And, and that's what the first 13 seconds of this clip. But you can see clearly she's looking for someone. All right. Yes, it, it is very exciting. It is very uh, demanding, if you will. There's some people that on you know I talk about a demanding mew versus this. I I coin this one more of a selfish mew, just because if you get in a situation where you're in a, in a large herd, and, and I've got some video footage that's going to go up here pretty quick, where we have about just shy of 60 cows and calves up in the alpine, and it just turns into chaos. I mean, cows are calling their calves, calves are screaming well a lot of times you will hear this vocalization when a cow is trying to stand out from the rest of the group and so i originally was like well it's not really an estrus it's more of a selfish type of you know she's trying to command the attention she's trying to separate herself out from everybody else that's talking she's trying to pull the attention to her she's trying to get those animals to listen to her and do whatever it is that she's saying before it or and or after it. So I always coined it as a selfish mew. Now some people would say, well, why why wouldn't you say a demanding mew? Well, there's a couple things that cows do that are that are vocalizations that end up being demanding and and I'm, so anyway, I mean there, there's a lot of discussion around it, but bottom line, yeah, this is absolutely excited. This is absolutely demanding in its nature. Pay attention to me, listen to me, do what I'm telling you to do. And then the other thing that you heard in there was, is a vocalization I always talk about is that assembly mew. Short on the high note, low on, long, drawn out, low note. Man, come to me. She's, she, in this case, she is either looking for a calf or she's looking for another cow that's in and around her and somewhere nearby. Now, later on, I can tell you, I think she was separated from her calf and starting to get desperate about it. But doesn't matter. The relevant part about that is, is here are specific vocalizations that I talk about all the time. And within, I mean, she walks out of the timber and I mean, boom, she just starts firing them. And well, as you heard with the clip, I mean, she just doesn't stop. <laughs> and so for people listening and for myself that try and translate this into our own calling, what would you recommend as far as using this call and and when to use it and and how how would you how do you put this into your own calling i will use it um as a supplemental vocalization um you know people you know you know you and i have talked about it last year and i talk about it all the time is about you know whether i do a passive strategy or a targeted strategy passive strategy on calling is where i'm not really talking to any elk outside you know i'm not talking to elk off in the distance, I'm just portraying the image. I'm just a cow and a calf or whatever in this tight little group and we're talking amongst ourselves versus a targeted strategy where I'm in fact speaking to elk that are away from me that I see or I hear or that I'm interested in. It's the same thing that elk do. They, they will either talk to, the, to themselves using chirps and mews or they will use a targeted vocalization strategy using assembly mews, lost mews, whines, frustrated whines, aggravated whines, that type of deal which you hear her do through this whole thing, um, 
when and most of the time I'm going to be using a targeted vocalization strategy, okay? But I always will start low key. I'll start with my lost muse. I will add in those. I'll make vocal contact. I will switch to the assembly muse. I will go that whole thing. Now, if they're not responding the way I want them to or as fast as I want them to, that's when I start adding in whines, long muse, all sorts of other stuff. And this is one of those vocalizations that I will add in again to just say, dang it. Pay attention. Try to stand out from everybody else and just command that attention. Selfishly say, dang it, listen to me. Not the cows that you're with. Not the, you know, the, not that other bull and his other cow. No. Pay attention to me. So I will add it as a supplement when I need to step up the intensity level of my calling sequence because they're not doing what I want them to do as fast as I want them to do it. And only if I need to. Again, I don't elevate my intensity of my calling any more than I absolutely have to. So you don't just start out just right off the bat with with the uh, excited calling and and go right into it. Have you found where that can actually work against you? Well, for me, and yeah, yeah, you and I have talked about it, and I talk about it on the website quite a bit. Is you know, in some of these heavily hunted areas. Whether, you know, there's a, again, we talked about it, and I think in a previous episode, I mean, there's all sorts of factors that go into how an elk is going to respond to our calling. Human interaction and hunting pressure, that's only one, you know, aspect. The herd dynamics of the elk that are in that area, that is going to affect it. The age structure of the herd dynamics, that's going to affect it. So there's all sorts of environmental factors and elk-related factors in your area that are going to predetermine how those elk want to inter- you know, in- engage or interact with one another right off the bat. So that's I, I always start low-key and work my way up because sometimes you'll slip into a situation and a low-key, that's all they need. And quite honestly, sometimes that's all they want. If they don't respond favorably when I start low. I can always step myself up. But if you jump in aggressive, sometimes you can uh, alter their behavior, put them on edge, make them uneasy to where now you've altered their behavior. They're, they're going to be either moving away from you and they may not even know that you're a hunter. They just may not want that engagement with that type of you know, if you're sounding like a bunch of cows and calves calling, you're a, you're in you're an aggressive cow or a very intense cow. There's some times where you get these. You know, you've got a younger age class bull. Maybe he's a four year old bull. He's got four or five cows, and there's really not many bulls around. Man, sometimes those cows are like, you know what? We've got our bull. We don't want to lose him. We're out. We don't want to deal with another aggressive cow. And if you want, we can dive into all that stuff. And, and why that might be the case, but if you dive in aggressive right off the bat, you got nowhere to you go. got nowhere to go until you let them settle down. So right. I always start low, build up if I need to. Well, and I think you have to judge what you're hearing as the hunter. And with your different strategy, you talk about uh, targeted strategy, you talk about passive strategy. You know, for me, when I hear stuff going crazy and chaos, 
you know, you got to kind of get into the chaos to, to have them pay attention to yes. Although if things are just kind of quiet and they're just kind of talking every once in a while, both bulls and cows, and you go into chaos mode, most of the time that doesn't work in your favor. Yeah. Most of the time you've kind of got to go in, you know, take their temperature a little bit and kind of, you know, I don't know. I, I like to stand out, but I don't like to stand out too much, if that makes sense. Meaning – yeah. I don't mind kind of being the cow that's, you know, a little more vocal and, you know, getting after it. But I think there's times when it can kill you, too. Because if there's cows that are like, uh-uh, you ain't going over there to her, they go the other way. Then the bull is forced with a decision, follow them or come over to me. Yeah, and, and which one's he going to choose? Well, he's probably going to choose the ones that he's been with all there day. There you go. There, and that's and that's the thing is people all the time they'll say, well, he was bugling at everything I gave him, but he was just kind of he kept walking away. Yeah, he want he for the guys, and it doesn't matter if we're talking elk or humans. For guys, the more the merrier, you know. If if I've got a lady interested in me, hey, let's go. I'm sure <laughs> my wife won't like that, and so she's like, uh, no, we're leaving. So yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean Pete and I. Again, people all the time will say, oh, call shy bulls. Well, really? Some of these areas that we're hunting in, you're hunt I, I, and this is not knocking anybody, but some of the places we're hunting in, the vast majority of bulls we're after are two-and-a-half to three-and-a-half-year-old bulls. Just how educated are they? Whereas yeah. the cows that are in that herd might be 15 years old or older. Those ladies have been there. They've done that. They've been around the block a time or two. So when they have their bull, a lot of times it's, I really do believe it's the cows pulling the bull away. They're like, nope, we do not want to be, and I talk about this, but we don't want to be with other cows because we're going to have to figure out our new pecking order. And then we've got, yeah, we're just going to take our bull and we're going to leave. The ladies leave. He's bugling but he's going to stay right with the girls that he's with. He's going to bugle the whole way. And then you're going to be stuck behind him walking away as you go. Whereas if you just started low key to begin with, you might've been able to tell pretty quick that, Oh, wait a minute. Those cows don't want any part. And okay. They don't want any part of me. I haven't moved them yet, but they don't like it. So, okay, stop. I'm going to, maybe I'll use a bugling or a bull vocalization strategy. Okay. I need to do something else. Whereas, you know, and you've seen it, Jay, on some of the videos. Sometimes I get in there and I start calling. I'm not calling to the bull. I look up and I'm like, wait a minute. Those cows, the cows are interested in my calling. I'm just going to put the wood to them. I'm going to call the cows. I'm going to sucker some of the cows out of the group and anticipate that bull coming out and following those cows and trying to round them back up. So by starting off low key, I can take their temperature just a little bit See the see the reaction, and then adjust from there without sending the whole herd off. You know, putting the whole herd on alert. Great stuff there. Let's take a quick break here, Chris. I've got one question for you, and it actually doesn't even well doesn't exactly relate to real elk sounds. Uh, but for the listeners out there, in in your opinion, how do the cows choose the bull that they want to breed them great question man that i mean goodness gracious that was a deep one 
<laughs> um, and and the, the funny part is, is we just had someone a similar uh, similar question come up on the forums of whether or not a cow chooses the same bull year after year. That one, and when you, that one, I'm, when you say uh, forums, you're talking about the Row Hunting Resources Elk Module yeah. Forum. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was another good one. So yeah. Um, all right. There is a very very famous researcher, Valerius Geist. Uh, yep. who has published a lot of stuff on elk behavior and communication. He originally theorized, hypothesized, or said, because I've got it in writing here in my book, um, that, uh, that cows choose the bulls based on the larger antlers and, and the, larger, the larger antlers and the more symmetrical antlers. I disagree with him. And I know that some people might call that blasphemy, but I do. I disagree with him. I think a cow chooses her bull, the bull that she's willing to be with, based on his maturity level or how he handles himself and how he portrays his more maturity level. Meaning, I have seen numerous times where, let's take, for instance, my bull that I killed last year. 341, all right? He was a 341 bull, beautiful, big, mature bull, probably five, six-year-old bull. All right, across the valley was a group of cows with their bull, and that bull was yeah, five by five that was probably, I don't know, 270 bull maybe, okay? Well, why weren't those cows with my bull? My bull had 30-some cows or 20, 30-some cows with him. Why weren't those cows with my bull? He's clearly much more mature. Well, if you watch a bull's behavior, and I talk about this all the time, lovers versus fighters, the same thing goes. You've got some bulls that are just act stupidly immature. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think what year it was. I've got, it's a, it's on the YouTube, it's on our YouTube channel. It's called High Country Redemption. Well, I think it's called High Country Redemption. I shoot a 6x6. Six six. He's a 3-year-old 6x6. Six six. I missed a really big 5x5, five five, nice 4-year-old five 5x5 five that was in control of about, I don't know, 12, 15-plus cows. I missed him. Blew the whole group out. They left. Some of the cows came back. Well, the cows that came back, here following with them is this 3-year-old 6x6. Six and I talk about that on the YouTube video and, and in, the, in the module. If you watch him, you can watch him and how he engages those cows. He's chasing the cows around. He's pushing the cows. He's, he's hurting the cows. These cows aren't going anywhere. He doesn't have to do anything with them. But he's acting immature. He's, he's pestering them. He's driving them nuts. Some bulls leave the cows alone. Other bulls constantly want to pester. With maturity in bulls, the more mature a bull is, most of the time, they will let those cows do what the cows want to do. They leave the cows alone. So most of the time, a cow is going to go to the more mature animal because, she, because they leave her alone. However, it might be a younger age class animal that leaves her alone and still protects the group. And then as far as you know, symmetrical antlers versus asymmetric, you know, non-typical or whatever, nah, I don't buy that either. Um, I've got plenty of video footage, you know, you've got, and you've seen it, Jay, down in Arizona especially, 
you've got some busted up, funky, oddball bull that, you know, he's a big six on one side and a squirrely, non-typical club on the other, or he's busted off and just, I mean, he's got no antlers whatsoever, but yet he's still got 30 cows with him. Why? Because he's a 10, 12-year-old bull. So I think they choose it based off of maturity level and how those bulls engage those cows. If the, if the bull leaves them alone and protects them, I think they'll, they're happy with him. So in other words, mama wants to be with a bull that's going to breed when it's time to breed, but not really mess with her until she says, all right, get over here, it's time. Bingo. Leave me alone. And Leave, uh, the, the young guy's going to be constantly sniffing around and jousting them out of their beds and getting them up and getting them down and chasing them and yeah. getting up on them and all that. And they're like, to heck with that. You nailed it. That's exactly it. And, and literally, Jay, you can, you can watch it happen. You can watch the animal. You can watch those cows just... You, you just see their frustration level, their aggravation level just build and build and build. And they're like, all right, we're out of here. And, they, and it does not matter what that bull wants to do, she's not going to stay with them. We've got, uh, again, um, oh, bulls in the Alpine uh, gallery video footage where, uh, just real quick, a large group of cows that had one big herd bull in it ends up having two other just smoking, I mean, good-looking bulls, probably five, six-year-old bulls, probably in that 330, you know, 330, 340 range. All of a sudden show up, well, they split the cows three ways. The big bull goes over the hill and takes a, a portion of the cows with him. Meanwhile, the other two bulls have sequestered themselves and their little pocket of cows, and they are doing everything they can to bluff, charge, display, scream, bugling, trying to, to separate themselves and, and keep their grooves apart. Well, the cows... Literally want nothing to do. They're sitting there laying there, chewing their cud, watching this whole show going, you guys are idiots. Because <laughs> literally this goes on for, I don't know, almost an hour. And then finally the cows are like, you know what? It's time to go. We're out. And they just completely ignore the bulls. And they're like, we're down in the timber. We're going after the big bull again. And just after all that displaying, all that show, you know, showcasing and, and, and displaying by the bulls, nah, we don't care. We're out. We're, we don't want you. So, yeah, I absolutely. If, if a bull is going to pester them, no. They don't rank high on the uh, attraction list. But you do feel like a two-year-old bull, you know, a small five-point that just kind of hangs around, he can breed cows, right? Technically, they can. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I will say this. I, in my opinion, I think we're really kind of talking about a three-year-old that's probably going to do the breeding, and I, in for two reasons. One, the big one is, well, one, obviously the the older age class animal. I mean, he's probably going to act a little different than the two and a half year old one. However, the probably the the biggest key is you can actually have two-and-a-half-year-old bulls still hanging around the, the same cow-calf groups that they were born into and raised. And so a cow will not breed with her offspring. I mean, they know, and, and this, is a, this is another rabbit hole we can go down. This is pretty cool. I, I, this was kind of a, a parallel deal that I um, worked with a professor when I was doing the elk study. There's strong anecdotal evidence to suggest and I've witnessed it. 
I have witnessed year-and-a-half-old bulls, and I have witnessed two-year-old bulls nursing on a cow in the middle of July. And the theory is that that bull is her offspring. And she will continue to nurse that bull on it, you know, just in, you know, incidentally, just because it's in her best interest to make sure that that bull, you know, survives, apparently. Now, there's very, it's, um, I mean, it's almost impossible to verify it. And researchers have never been able to verify it without doing serious genetic testing, which cost would be astronomical. But the relevant point with all that is, a two-and-a-half-year-old bull very well might be in, still mixed in with his mother, his grandmother, his sisters, to where they, they're not going to breed him. They're, they're not going to breed with him. Now, after that, that's where you start. You think they know? Oh, absolutely they do. Absolutely they do. I mean, it's the exact same way. How, and again, we the, the video that I'm, I'm sharing now from this past trip just to Colorado, I, it, 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 there was so much good stuff to it. You can watch a cow searching a group of calves and calling, 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 and all of a sudden a calf comes at a trot, comes to her. You're like, oh, well, she just called her calf, and the calf is coming. The calf comes smoking in, and that cow's like, oh, go ahead, nurse, and while you're coming in, I'm going to sniff you. Wait a minute. Who the hell are you? Nope, and kicks him out. Nope. So visually, they did not confirm that calf was theirs. It wasn't until they put their nose to it and smelled it and were like, no, you're not mine. And then they kicked the calf out. So there's a scent factor there that is a strong, that, and the same thing with cows with calves, but I think the thing, same thing holds over into their offspring, offspring bulls. They can smell them and they know. They can smell them. They, uh, you're mine. You're mine. And so I'm not going to breed with you. Get out. And that's usually, you know, year and a half old bulls, you know, you can say, well, they get kicked out of the group. Nah, they get pushed to the fringe edges, but those bulls still stay with that group. It's not until you start hitting that two and a half year old range and then three and a half to where you see bulls just pick up and go, you know what? I'm out. Time to make my own way. I'm leaving. And they just they just go and and they may go for miles. Uh, just a curious piece of information: Northwest Colorado is known for its trophy bulls. That that's the state of Colorado manages the northwest part of the state for trophy quality, high bull to cow ratios, older age class. Well, for years when they first started it, they were getting frustrated that they were not seeing the 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 bulls that they were producing in that area staying there and, and getting maturity. So they actually collared a bunch of them and put GPS collars and radio collars on them just to see what was going on. They literally at two and a half to three and a half and, you know, four and a half year old that, you know, once they hit that age class, there were bulls that were going from Brown's Canyon and, and, and the national monument up there all the way to Laramie, Wyoming. Just picking wow. up and going hundreds of miles and just just dispersing, going, bye, see you, we're out. So it's not until you hit that eh, two and a half to maybe into three and a half year old range where you start having those bulls wander away from their maternal group that they were in, they were born into. So in that case, if you've got a two and a half year old bull, year and a half or two and a half year old bull, yeah, he can breed technically. 
but I think most likely he's not going to because he's probably going to be in with some sisters and, and female relatives. It's not until you get those three-year-olds, I think, to start doing that the breeding. Great stuff. That was a great little bunny trail. Um, <laughs> let, <laughs> let's take another quick break here and then dive back into the clip. Right. Okay, Chris, let's uh, play some more of this clip. All right, let me let me hit play and then I'll stop it right after the money shot. What everybody, what everybody, <laughs> what everybody loves to hear and talk about. Hold on. All right, now during these dead moments like this, they're just feeding and just kind of relaxed and just kind of wandering and walking and they're just kind of moving down along parallel to this road. That was a bull. That was a bull bugling. <laughs> yeah, no, there's not a bull to be had anywhere around here. No, that was the cool thing. You know, people talk all the time about cow bugles and and are are curious about cow bugles just because they're just they they are they're 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 relatively rare. I'm not going to say they don't ever happen because they do, but it's just not something you normally hear. So let me let me bounce it back. We'll play it again, and we'll let's. I'll, I know you've got some questions, so let me play it again. <laughs> you've got to kind of listen to the the vehicle traffic, but here you go. I that's just perfect. That's perfect. That's a four point bull bugling right there, uh, and. A lot of people would say, oh, yeah, I, I, I finally got a bull to respond. Or you'll hear people say, you know, and now I'm not, I will qualify this next statement in the fact that, yes, bulls will bugle throughout the summer as well. They'll, they'll bugle year round. They just don't usually pour the, you know, pour the coals to it, you know, until the rut really kicks in. So, yes, you can hear some bulls bugle. And they might sound just like this up in the high country in their bachelor groups, but most of the time, you know, people are up in the high country camping or watching elk or watching mule deer or whatever, and they hear something like, holy cow, a bull just bugled down below me. Well, was it a bull or was it a cow? So, <laughs> no, that, that's the cool thing about this one, too, is, I mean, you know, again, people, you know, you hear it, and sometimes you're not paying attention. You, you might have a whole bunch of cows in front of you, and all of a sudden you hear a bugle, and you're like, whoop. And you weren't even paying attention to the, the the girl that said it, or you'll hear people talk about, oh, here's a you know cow bugle, here's what it means, or what does it mean? About again, without having video and being able to see the entire context, it's very difficult to tease out. You know, is it something that that's even important? So, in this case, you know, and the other thing too for people to understand. I did take out some dead sections in here, so it is truncated. This is a five minute. I've put together five minutes of literally almost what thirty minutes of activity that was in and around me. So I, I you know, I, I didn't. These, these aren't stacked on top of one or one another per se, but I did take out a few dead spots. But in this case, there was very little dead spot between the first clip and this. She comes out. She's calling. You hear that again? What people talk about the estrus mew or estrus scream, whatever the selfish mew, whatever you want to call that. 
She starts vocalizing that way. She gives an assembly mute. Nothing happens. She starts walking. You can hear. This is when, again, here's this frustration starts coming in. You can see your body language. You hear, eh, mm, uh. Those frustrated whines start coming in, and she stops. She turns. She looks back into the timber, back behind her, and she just rips it. So it just, again, it's one of those vocalizations you don't hear often, a lot of times, but it it happens. I wonder how many times I've actually heard that and thought it was just a you know two year old bull or a spike or you know because I've heard spikes bugling and. Yep. Um, but I've never heard a cow bugle that I know of. And when I saw this clip on the, uh, you know, that's going on the elk module, I'm just like, no way. That cow just bugled. Pretty dang cool. In your mind, how does that help a hunter knowing that cows actually make those sounds? And do you, would you incorporate that into your strategy, into your calling? of a bull that's a situation i would put the cow bugle right there squarely in the wheelhouse of of that selfish mule or what people call that estrus mule estrus scream it is you're talking about the ultimate level of frustration and she is desperate to find someone so and most of the time and i'll bet you any money if you start going back through and thinking about all the times that you may have heard it it was probably in a situation where you had multiple elk. You probably had a situation where there was a lot of stuff going on and there was animals strung out across a large distance, okay? So if I'm in those situations and I'm doing whatever, and Jay, you know it best, I mean, in the situations that you've been in and even some of the stuff that, you know, even our first episode, there's some times where you get in these larger herds and it's just absolute, utter chaos that yeah. you you've got to do something to stand out either well i take that back if the cover's good in those situations keep your mouth shut and just slip in and and get in position who your your uh previous guest there uh one that killed 50 bulls in 50 and less than 50 My, michael park michael park he even he said it best he's like just slip in there and kill him you know, I mean, just again, calling is a tool just to help you fill a tag. It's not that it, I like calling, but you don't have to call in order to kill an elk. So if you're in those situations and you can move in and just slip in and, and go, do it. But if you're in a situation where they're going to skirt you and they're going to be outside of your range and you need to do something to try to pull some of those animals to you, that is where I start building the intensity in my calling. I start adding those frustrated whines, those aggravated whines. I will throw in those selfish mews and I will hammer them. And if I need to, heck yes, I'll throw in a cow bugle. It can't hurt. But the big thing with this is if you listen to her, I'll, let me just play it again. Listen to the structure of it. Listen to how clean and fluty it is. All right, You're, if you want to do a cow bugle, this is where if, mouth diaphragm is where it's going to be at. And typically, you're going to be using a mouth diaphragm that allows you to do good cow calls. And at the, then the other part is, is you're going to want to run it through a, a, tube. A, a tube. Yep. And do not add any growl to it at all. If 
anything at the end of it, do exactly what she did and just, oh, and just add that breathy oh, to it. But yeah, absolutely. You've got to run it through. You've got to run it through a bugle tube. But that's just sexy. That, that was, she's just awesome. <laughs> and, and that's the, the beautiful part about it is that we haven't even gotten into the the oh the rest of it. And you, <laughs> she let's let's roll into all it. Right. All right, she's standing there, staring back into the timber, and someone's taking a picture of her yeah. right now. Okay, let me pause it real quick. Just give you some context. You get again. You guys can watch it on my website there, the elk module. But right now, she's looking back in the timber. She's look trying to see who's following her. I pan back, no, no, whatever's coming in the timber, that's not who I'm looking for. So she whips around, and her and the other cow and calf that are following her, they look back, they're looking across the road now, and this is where she's like, wait a minute, who the heck is across the road behind me? Okay, let me pause it real quick, just give you some context. You get Again, you guys can watch it on my website there, the elk module. But right now, she's looking back in the timber. She's look, trying to see who's following her. I pan back, no, no, whatever's coming in the timber, that's not who I'm looking for. So she whips around, and her and the other cow and calf that are following her, they look back, they're looking across the road now, and this is where she's like, wait a minute, who the heck is across the road behind me? Perfect. Let me pause it right there. There again. Perfect. I mean, that it that to me uh been was partners for a long time with Steve Chappell. Uh love Steve. Uh he, he was able to capture uh the same exact sound right during the rut. And you know, we we all said it's the est it's the estrus. It's it's the estrus uh scream and you're not disagreeing with that, no. but but what you're saying is that sound they make, it's more of a selfish sound that they can make any time of the year, yes. but that absolutely during the rut, you hear that more probably because they're wanting to get bread and they're wanting to get their way. Well, if, if, they, are, if they cannot, it, that is low, yeah, that... She could absolutely be doing that, and there's a very, very famous uh, video on YouTube that somebody posted up there of a cow, literally point blank, who goes by this guy's camp, and the guy grabs his camera real quick and, and records it. This cow goes cruising through, and I mean, she's just meow, loud. If she is separated and not finding somebody and needs someone to either, you know, respond vocally or show up and come to her this is absolutely a vocalization she could fire away with so yeah if, if if she needs to get bread and she's out there cruising country searching for a bull absolutely she can do it but the more important part of this i think for me is and the reason why bulls get fired up about it is because of what it says it's saying dang it 
give me a response. Somebody respond to me. And the Bulls are like, okay, here we go. You know, and I talk about why a Bull might either either physically show up to a situation or versus why he might bugle at a situation. So, no, I don't criticize, and, and I love Steve, too. And by the way, I'm sorry, I have never, ever heard anyone else make that vocalization with a mouth diaphragm as good as Steve. He's unbelievable. It's scary it. good. I mean, it's fla- you can sit there and stare him in the face and watch him do it, and you're like, do that again. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's incredible he is so good with it. So, no, I if you want to call it the, the estrus, mu, estrus, scream, go for it. That's fine. Just understand it does not have anything to do with estrus. It just has everything to do with a cow searching. Okay? But that but you're absolutely right. There's a great example. Just wow, perfect vocalization example. And here we are, end of July. Yeah. All right, and there and and you heard that just yeah. That's kind of what I coined, and again, when I talk about certain vocalizations, I'm not saying that that's the end-all, be-all, that, you know, write it in the Bible, gospel, that that's what it is. I just talk about some of the vocalizations just so we can have a frame of reference. You will hear cows do that, and that's what I end up talking about, a demanding mew. You'll hear cows will do this. I mean, it's just a basic contact mew, but they put a little force, just a punch. They punch it, and you'll hear that. After, whether it's a lost mew, whether it's an assembly mew, it will come at, usually it's going to come after something that they just said. And it's like a punctuation mark on whatever, you know, where are you? Dang it. Or come to me now. You know, and it's a perfect example right there. She gives those selfish mews and then throws that little demanding in there. Let it go a little bit longer. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Lost Mew. Long, lost Mew and then demanding, where are you? Dang it. Give me a response. But, I mean, your borderline, some of those frustrated whines right there, I mean, those are borderlines, bugles again. But she's standing in this wide open meadow. I mean, literally, wide open meadow, standing there, looking around. She's looking in the timber. She's looking across the road. She's look, She is searching. So keep that in mind if you want to do this type of vocalization. You know, people talk about, and this is why we t- entitled this, you know, excited cow calling. You know, you hear people talk about all the time, oh, I want to I want to do excited cow calling. I want to I build that excitement, okay? Well, what does that mean? Well, most of the time, people are just, oh, I'm, I'm just going to, Throw out a whole bunch of different cow vocals, you know, cow sounds. Well, again, passive versus targeted, you know, chirps and mews. If you're just doing chirps and mews, they carry an entirely different connotation and, and a different visual image than, say, lost mews, whines, and stuff like this. To where if you want to sound excited, if you want to do excited cow calling, if you want to get aggressive with your cow calling, okay, do it. But this is the direction that you need to go in in order to make it realistic and actually have the success that you want to follow. Good point. 
Okay, so she just now she did that little vocalization sequence, and now she's just going to head out. She's going to catch up with the ones that kept on going down through the, the meadow in front of her. But meanwhile, she, she's just staring behind her, constantly flipping around, looking behind her, waiting for someone. Do you, th do you think it's her calf? I think at the end of this, I think it's a calf. I think it's her cat. Let me push pause. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because now she's vocalizing. She's catching the glint, a glimpse of other elk that are walking behind us. They're on the other side of the road down over this little ditch. So all you can see is their heads. Okay. And she sees them moving and she's vocalizing. The reason why I think it's her calf in, the, in here in a little bit, A, the intensity, intensity level is just too high. She's, dang it, she's desperate. The other thing is, at the end, it fades out. I just cut it because there's a whole, I mean, just a whole other pile of, of footage to go along with it. But she ends up catching up with the rest of the group. She vocalizes. A calf shows up, and she kind of, oh, okay, here you are. She stops vocalizing, settles down. The calf approaches her, and then she realizes, wait, that's, you know, you're not the one that I'm looking for. And then she just continues on. So every time a calf comes next comes near her she settles down and she eagerly goes over there and scent checks it so she I, I really do think based on all the context all the contextual clues that she gives for this sequence and and when i was there she was trying to figure out where her calf was now the interesting thing that i find is why the heck didn't the calf show up you know i mean did the calf get separated on the other side of the road or did something lunch this calf I, who knows <laughs> but here, let me back it up and we'll play that little section again. Perfect. 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 I mean, that I just, I'm sorry, I geek out on this stuff. This is what I love. But yeah, you hear you just, that selfish mew, selfish mew, selfish mew. Demanding you, just where are you? Where are you? Where? Oh, dang it! And then she turns, walks off. And the other thing too that's cool about this, if people listen to it, and and I'll even criticize myself, and and maybe even what you and I have have talked about in the past. You know, we talk about all the time, you know, you want your cow sounds to be crisp and, and clear. She, the way she's vocalizing and the way her vocal signature is, I think if you wanted to match this cow, I think you have to do all your cow calls through a tube. She's got that, that tubish, if that's a word, tubish quality to it, you know? Yeah, I hear that too and thinking of how I can mimic that and the one thing that I just think in the mechanics of, of how I cow call and I've talked about it a lot is in my mind at the end, she's opening her mouth in, in and she's probably not, but I think the only way that I can make that sound is yeah, yeah, dropping that lower jaw and and... I see so many people cow calling and they close their lips yes. at the end and it makes this like eel sound like what, yep. you know, the, 
the old you know diaphragm you know instructions used to say and it's like no dang it you probably did the worst service to you know trying to do a good thing and actually probably you know totally destroyed people's cow calling and i think you've got to get that jaw open and yeah 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 and and you know throw that voice into it and and um for sure i mean it's just uh incredible sound and that's the whole purpose of these real elk sounds uh episodes in for me selfishly you know i just i like you said geek out on this stuff and i try and listen and listen to as many cows as i can and have as many sounds in my arsenal as i can because i think the more that you do the more you have to play with and I think if your cow calling is one dimensional and, you know, basically one sound, you know, that's not going to work in a lot of situations. Yeah, especially if you're working the same group over and over and over and over again. You know, some of us that are hunting, you know, some of these over-the-counter areas, you know, we, we really don't have the luxury of bouncing from one herd to the next herd to the next herd to the next herd to the next herd. We, we might get ourselves in a valley and find out. There's one bull with six cows, and that's it. That that's that's what we've got in our little area, and we need to work them. Well, all right, we we might end up working these guys multiple times. Well, if you keep coming in there, you know the the, the one joke in the industry, you know people criticize the Primos Hoochie Mama. Well, the reality is, there's some cows out there that sounds sound just like a hoochie mama the hoochie mama is a very accurate sounding cow call the problem with it is because it's mechanical it does the exact same sound every single time and people are like well i can tell that's a hoochie mama well, yeah because it doesn't change there's no there, there's no there's nothing dynamic about it there's really nothing organic about it it's just a mechanical sound well it's accurate but it's it's always the same, and if you it's monotonous, yeah, it's monotonous, I mean, and it doesn't help when people just walk through the timber, <laughs> just keep pushing it. But I'll tell you what, though, that call at times can work unbelievable. Oh yeah, yes, I I always have one as a, I mean, just it's a great tool. But if you're gonna go in and you're gonna work a group over and over again, you have. This is where you must. I mean, heck, your series on all the different cow calls you've been testing is going to be huge because you must. I talk about this in the elk module. You must pick something that is going to give you a different vocal signature. I talk about the bell-shaped curve. I talk about the deep pitches. I talk about the bird-like sound. You've you've got to pick something that is going to diversify the vocal signatures that you can do. And just running a mouth diaphragm is not it because your mouth engages a mouth diaphragm and a diaphragm is a is a mechanical piece of, of, of equipment that you're going to have some limitations on that as well. So different mouth diaphragms com- built com- with different reed thickness, different reed stretches, open reed versus closed. You know, we talk about the um, hyperlip, I always talk about the hyperlip double with the tone converter. There is nothing. I'm sorry. I you can you can we can talk till we're blue in the face. Maybe the elk reel call. Now I, I might take this step back. Elk reel calls um, the deeper pitching, deeper pitch sound 
sounding ones do pretty darn good with an assembly new. But as of right now, nothing compares with a Hyperlip Double with the tone converter attached for those mature cow sound, those mature assembly mutes. Nothing touches it. But then again, there's other times I don't want that that tone converter on there. And I, Jay, you you alluded to it. You said to open your mouth. Yeah, a cow can vocalize one of two ways. She can close her mouth and send all the sound out through her nasal cavity, or she can open her mouth. This cow is opening her mouth and she's sending everything out of her throat. You can see her stretch her stretch her head and neck out. I mean, she's sending it all through her throat, her nasal cavity, mouth. She is. I mean, is she is as loud as she can get. Wow. But they can do it either one of two ways. Open their mouth or keep their mouth closed and send it through their nasal cavity. The Primo's tone converter simulates what it sounds like when they keep their mouth closed. Essentially, that's what it is. So all of those things, all those different sound, all those different calls can give you a different vocal signature, which makes you sound like a completely different animal, which then allows you to do, you know, work the same group over and over and over again without, you know, basically putting them on alert that something's not right. In this case, again, to round it back out, to match her, I think you do. You, you've got to use a mouth diaphragm, and I think you've got to put it right through a, 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 a bugle tube. Yep, let's hear the rest of the clip. All right. Because I think she bugles several more times. Well, she gets excited. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll jump up forward here, right here. And like you said, I mean, all those were lost, Muse, and she just flat opens that mouth up. She even has her tongue sticking out. She just, oh, and again, when I say a tube, if you think about the physics, or the, the, I, well, I guess the physics of it, but all the biology of it, if you, if you watch her, what she effectively does is she stretches her neck out, which straightens that esophagus out. She sticks her, her tongue out, which opens up the back of her throat and she flares her nostrils, she just created a sound chamber in her mouth and in her nasal cavity that's just going to amplify that sound. It, yeah, it's awesome. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say that those last three calls right there, that if the listeners could master oh. that, that in my idea of a location... Walking down a ridge, locating elk, getting bulls to bugle, getting other elk to respond, in my mind, that's the call. I'm curious what your thought is. That's right. I think that could be even better than bugling at times if you could hit that three-note, real intense sound that you just heard. Absolutely. Uh, let, me, let me play it again, and then I'll, I'll give you my thoughts. <laughs> five times she's awesome she, she's awesome I, I, i'd love to have her in my pocket oh my just like touch her on the head when i want her to make that sound you know for me i agree i mean all those are lost muse um i do if i'm going to use cow vocalizations i talk about it in the passive strategy you can watch me do it i don't know how many times over and over again in the strategies and actions section on the module um make vocal contact with that lost mew Open up that 
that channel of, you know, get a response, open up that channel of communication, and then depending on at that point whether or not, you know, whether I want to continue with Lost Muse or whether I switch right over to Assembly Muse or whatever. But that that right there is what opens that line of communication. That is asking, boom, where are you? Give me a response, okay? Again, we talk about all sorts of stuff on whether it's physical or whether it's audible, whatever. But I might not jump into this level of intensity right <laughs> off the bat. However, I do not. I do not shy away from it. Last year, when you and I were down in Arizona, um, there was that couple situations where we were in some real open habitats, and those elk were way off in the distance. You know, it, this is this is one of the things. You know, I think we touched on it before for the listener. Um, Jay, if you've never had a, if you never get a chance to hunt with Jay or, or watch it, Jay is a master at sitting behind glass. Your binoculars and your spotting scope. I don't know. You've got the patience of a saint. I, I mean, he can just sit there for hours and pick apart every nook and cranny and like, oh, there's an antler tip. Where me, I'm like, I just, I, I physically start shaking. I'm like, uh, 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 uh I got to get down there. I got to get, I need to weasel him out. I, I, I need, I need to engage. Okay, so all these elk are out scattered out in front of us. And we're trying to lay eyeballs on them and trying to fit, you know, pick the best bull out of the group. And there's a whole pile of elk way out there that we just can't see. And I'm like, all right, I've had enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start calling. I'm going to get these guys excited. I'm going to start pulling them out of the timber so we can see them. And so, yeah, I flat out start doing this as loud as I can. I just start ripping it. And we start pulling bulls out of the timber half a mile three quarters of a mile i think we were sitting there the i think one of them was pushing a mile away just i mean put him in our lap but because we used vocalizations like this obviously knowing what i was saying and why i was saying it and, and putting them together in a in a logical manner but Wait, what did you just say? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> but it's important to actually know what you're saying. Ah, it's my opinion, man. It's my opinion. <laughs> but it's just it was. I mean, I, I was calling as absolutely as loud as I physically could and just got them things ripped up to where they just yeah, they were like, Okay, fine, we're gonna step out and take a look at what the heck is going on and, and we pulled bulls out of the timber. And we're able to go from one to the next and nope, 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 nope. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, okay. And just we were able to start inventorying them. But it's because I was I was able to call like she is right now. As she's standing there looking around, starts walking. No, there you go. I mean, we can talk about that if you wanted. They're just that. Uh, and that's when that's when she sees me standing there. She's like, "Oh crap!" And then she spooks. All right, so let me let me play her again because we we'll we'll, we'll kind of round this little sequence out here in a minute. But I want to again, I want to talk about context. So let me play that last section. Again, I talk about video all the time. Let me hit pause. Yeah, you don't 
you don't really have a good appreciation about it until you get to sit there and watch their body language. And I mean, her head is as high as it can go. Her ears are as forward as they can go. She is desperately looking, but here's the thing, and nothing shows up. Whatever she's looking for does not show up. And so now she's been left behind. The rest of the group has moved off. They're, they're almost 100 yards in front of her and in in starting to get into some a uh, little bit more broken timber. So at this point, she turns and she starts. Okay, so she's a little frustration there. Now she sees the group leaving her. All right, I got to start making up. I got to catch up. All right, you heard you hear those. She kind of runs away. She finally notices that I'm standing there looking at her. But you could hear her as she turns and starts walking off, just that. That right there, I think, and I'm. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of something. I think for me, when I make up, if I need, if, if I'm setting up and I'm calling and it's not working or I need to move and I need to change position or I need to get closer or whatever, I need to go from where I just was to somewhere else. A lot of times I will throw those little subtle sounds in just like that. And I'm telling you, I really do believe there are a lot of times that that little bit of realism is what ends up turning the next time. When I set up the next time, that's when usually things happen. I think that little bit of realism of just that kind of frustration of just, eh, 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 as I'm walking, as I and I'm doing it as I'm walking. I pick the tripod up, or I grab my bow, and I start walking. I'm snapping on a twig. I'll snap that branch. As I'm traveling, I'm going to make it sound like I'm walking. And I will do that. Just mm, 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 mm. no hunter. Most hunters don't do that. Number one, most of the time it's going to be a real elk. So even if that animal that I'm calling to is down the hill, you know, or in front of me, a hundred yards or whatever, they hear that. That little tiny bit of realism, I think, sometimes is is all that it takes to really seal the deal, seal the deal, and and make that next setup that much more effective. Awesome stuff there, Mr. Chris. All right. Well, then let me let me. Well, I tell you what, we'll just skip ahead. I'll round out now because she she catches up with the group. She goes into the timber. There's one more little flurry. I think it's good. Uh, we'll 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 round it out, and she'll end up on that selfish mule, and we'll and we'll kind of talk and see where we want to go. Stuff crashing through the timber. And there we go. Okay, you can hear the, the branches breaking, the limbs breaking. The cool thing about that, too, is, again, we're talking about trying to get better with your calling. If you heard her there, high, low, medium, higher, low, it's not the same monotone mew every single time, even though they're all lost mews. They had the same rough duration. There's inflection there. High, low, medium, just eh, 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 eh. And then she turns, you know, she hears some snap and pop in the timber behind her. She whips around, ears forward, and ah! That selfish mew again. 
Where are you? Who is it? Who is it? So all of these things, that's why I wanted, you know, when we were talking about doing another episode, I was like, dude, you got, we, we've got to talk about this one. Because there's so much, if you, if you want to really master your cow calling, this, she, <laughs> she is, she's the one that you want to try to be like. For sure. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, if, if you could basically mimic those sounds and incorporate them into your calling with that kind of intensity and that different, you know, like you say, high, low, not monotone, not the same call. I mean, that just makes you a better caller. Um, and, it, you know, it's amazing how when you really start breaking down these sounds, how how much they all have their own signature, like you say, and they all sound a little different. Um, but it's amazing. You could throw this elk from Colorado, throw her right into Arizona and she'd immediately be, you know, speaking the language with the elk in Arizona. So it's not like it's, you know, it, it, elk or elk, like Michael Park says. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to listen to all their different real sounds, the vocalizations that each one of them make, um, and then try and incorporate that into, you know, my own calling. Um, and that's where I've managed over the years to get better and better and better is to you know, hear these types of sounds. And I think that's why I felt it was so important that you and I do this series. Uh, there's more, you know, more to come. And I think that's why there's so much value in the Row Hunting Resources Elk module, because not only do you get to hear it, but you get to see it. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's huge being able to know when to use those certain calls and know what type of body language to look for when you're looking through your binos and you see certain things that the elk are doing and then you hear it, you're able to go, oh, I, I know what she's doing. Well, and, and not only that, and, and yeah, you, you nailed it. I mean, that's why we have so many, you know, repeat subscribers every year. You know, folks come back and resubscribe because A, we're always building on the library of, of stuff that's in there, but B... It's just you just uh, you want to be able to practice. You want to be able to keep, you know, hearing these things. You, you know, Will Primo said it the best. I mean, it's hard for people that don't live with elk every day to really master something that they never hardly ever hear. And so the best things you can do is is try to listen to them and watch them as much as you can. Well, now with video and, and I mean, heck, this sequence here, I got a new camera. It's all, it was recorded in 4K. So if someone's got a eight foot, monitor 4k i mean 4k tv screen or whatever this thing looks awesome but i mean you get to watch it you get to see it you get to hear it you get to practice it but yes you get better at it but and and not only in like the gallery footage all, all that stuff you you watch them and you get to understand what they're doing and you can decipher what's happening and then act accordingly but the other flip side of this is, if you're going to vocalize, now again, let me let me just preface this whole thing with this sequence that we're talking about. This is excited cow calling. Again, this is not. I don't jump into this level of vocalization right off the bat. This is what I might build up to if I'm in a situation like her where I need to. I, I need to 
command the attention. I need to pull the attention to me. I need to, you know, either elicit a response or get someone to show up. If I have to build my intensity, this is what I'm going to probably end up doing. However, the important thing that the video can allow you to do is actually see what she is doing. And in this case, if I am going to reproduce this type of calling, these, this type of communication, then I better darn well understand that I am simulating a cow that is up on her feet, she is out in the open, she is moving, she's dynamic, this isn't a situation where this cow is tucked behind this one little tree and hiding there and just standing like a stone. So if I'm going to reproduce this type of vocalization or this type of communication sequence, I have to understand that any bull that's responding, or it doesn't matter if it's a cow or a bull or whatever, any other elk that is going to come into my setup is going to be expecting to see something like this. So this is where your setup has to be crucial. You have to have some sort of cover behind you that they cannot see through. You have to be maybe a little bench that, you know, that you're simulating that sound coming over that bench to where they can't see past that bench without walking up to that, what I talk about all the time, the doorway. Okay, these your setups have to be crucial. You know, down where you know you and I have been down in Arizona, some of that where you've got that pinion juniper country, it it's perfectly made for this because it's the, the habitat is so broken up they can't see more than 30 yards, 50 yards in some places. They have to continue to come through and search. But if you're a type of person that's, you know, depending on where you're hunting, if you're in an open, open aspen stand, oh, do not, you're, you're going to need to be creative on where you set up because if it's too open, those animals are going to respond. They're going to come in and they're going to lock up 80, 100, 150, 200 yards away. And they're going to stand there and they're going to wait because what you're saying how you're saying it and what you want all suggest that you are mobile, you're animated, you are excited. And so if they even make a partial distance, if they cut off any of that range, it's logical that you, if you were a true cow, would make up that other distance. So this is where setup is key. And you get to understand that if you watch what's going on with the video. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, I want to give you a chance to let people know uh, about the elk module, how they can get on the elk module. I mean, it's it's uh, so expensive. You know, it's five, <laughs> five, five or $600, I think. Oh, I think actually it's $20. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing about it. We try to make it to where it's economical. It's, it's thousands of dollars of value. For 20 bucks, if you use the J. Scott promo code, I'll let you walk through how people can find you. And I get feedback all the time from my listeners, guys that just love uh, the elk module at Row Hunting Resources. Uh, so I feel like I can shout it, you know, open the, get out on the rooftops and shout this out because I know what kind of value it has and I know what's on there and I get feedback all the time from listeners of how great it is uh, and uh, 
take it away, Chris. Well, I, and I do. I appreciate that, man. I mean, you know, we kind of have a, a similar philosophy on a lot of things. And, and like you said, you kind of geek out on this stuff, too. So, I mean, if, if folks are listening to this and, and they do, they enjoy this stuff and they're passionate about elk and, and calling elk and they want to learn more, that's what it's about. That I mean, I do. I, I love this stuff. I If anything that I do, I really want to understand why I'm doing it. And I spend a lot of time focusing on the why things happen. And I think if you understand why things happen, it makes you or it gives you the ability to be more flexible in how to adjust when they don't necessarily happen exactly way, the way you wanted them to. If you understand why things are happening you're a lot more flexible, and I think it translates into being a lot more successful. So, yeah, we put everything online, just www.rohuntingresources.com, R-O-E, huntingresources.com, and you, you can sign up for, it, it, we've got two different levels. you got the elk module, it's three months, just the elk, that it'll open up just the elk, and it's open for three months. Normally, it's 25 bucks, and with the J. Scott podcast, uh, promo code it's 20 bucks or you can do the full year annual subscription gives you 12 months unlimited access to it and that's usually 50 bucks or again it's 20 percent off with the j scott podcast so it ends up being 40 bucks i mean goodness gracious it's not even i mean it's cheaper than a pack of broadheads so and that also gives you the ability to go on the elk forum with the other row hunting yeah. resources members yeah and uh, you know, have questions answered, and basically have a direct line to Chris to ask him anything you want, yeah. and ask other members and hear some of the feedback that they have. And um, I've been a Row Hunting Resources uh, member for years, and um, you know, it's it's something of, of great value to me. And yeah, I mean, you say I geek out on this stuff, but. Honestly, I just want to get better and and strive to understand and learn and any little thing that I can do uh, to, to, to make myself better, I want to do. And then you've got, you know, with all of the different videos and, you know, all of the, the video library and gallery that you have, it's, it's mind-blowing. So, um, as always, I uh, love having you on. The listeners love having you on. And... Uh, can't wait uh, for our next episode of Real Elk Sounds, and I uh, just really appreciate uh, all that you bring to the table with this series. Well, I appreciate it, man. I enjoy it. So, yeah, let's do another one. That sounds awesome. Uh, well, thanks for uh, sharing your time here with us today, and uh, uh, yeah, it's I, I just can't wait. Elk season's you know around the corner, and uh, our favorite time of year, the fall season. Uh, so. Uh, until next time, buddy, God bless. All right. All right. You too. Thanks again. And we'll, uh, we'll talk soon.